big thank you to Myra Green for her music, her composition, Passing Places. You can find out more about Myra Green and her music at her own website, myragreen.com, or pop on to my website, bonnytours.com, and follow her story from there. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Passing Places. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. And if you're new to the podcast, it's my personal diaries of my travels around Scotland. Now, in the last week, I've been out every day in the local area. I'm still at bricks and mortar, but I've been out and about um, obsessing a little bit about these steps and getting fit and taking advantage of what's been, for us, pretty good weather over the last few days. It's a bit of a late summer. We're getting some sunshine, but already we've got that autumnal cold sort of a snap in the air. We're definitely moving into autumn and it's getting a little bit darker a little bit earlier. But it's been a good week for me. I've been out and about and, as I say, chasing these daily steps. Tomorrow my daily target goes up to 6,000 steps a day. So I've got various bits of audio for you. Maybe just to get into the, the feel for the, the week, I'll give you audio from earlier this morning. I was up at the crack of dawn and I was off up in the moors above Stirling. And there's probably three or four pieces to this. So we'll just run them all together and you'll get an idea of today's walk. Really lovely to be out uh, with the sun in your back. So let's dive straight in and we'll come back to you with some uh, reminders of shout outs to people after this section. Well, good morning. You join me high up in the moor in the hills above Stirling. I've, uh, I'm up at about maybe 1350 feet according to my phone and I'm on a the top of a hill without a name, there's a little cairn here and off to the, the west I'm maybe a mile from the Earls Hill and I hadn't realised just how much development there's been up here the entire hill's covered in what looks like mobile phone masts and off to the left there's a, a wind farm and further off to the north from Earls Hill there's another wind farm and if I look behind me and round, I can see the just the edge of Ben Lomond off to the the north, and out uh, to the right from Ben Lomond, looking over at the Trossachs, I can see Ben Leddy and uh, Ben Borlich, and swinging round another wind farm, way off in the distance, and then right round to the well, I'm looking over at Perthshire there, but then looking further south, well coming round, I'm now looking east, and I can see all the the Oakle Hills running along with the villages underneath, Stirling Castle and the uh, Wallace Monument, you can clearly see them, it's a lovely sunny morning, just very windy on the top, and then as I keep falling round I can see the, what looks like um, East and West Lomond Hills, which are almost I suppose in Fife, and then I can, coming round I can see all the chimney stacks over at Kincardine, is it the old Kincardine power station? I can see right out into the Firth of Forth and uh, I don't know if it's my eyesight or the the sun but I think I can see the coast the whole way through to the the Forth Bridges and then coming round there's more hills as you come into the almost looking down to the borders almost so an amazing view not very good for a microphone given the the wind and it's all heather up here 
little purple flowers in the heather and conifer trees lots of conifer plantations which uh, an awful lot of these were built built were planted when I was a kid and they're all coming up for felling in terms of maturity there was a many many schemes tax type saving schemes for people with money to, to plant trees and the Forestry Commission the government in their wisdom covered Scotland in these monoculture conifer trees they're ugly as hell but we've grown up with them and you get used to them and suddenly everywhere I go in Scotland there's huge machinery and chopping them down and we're beginning to see landscapes and views that we've never seen before so these ones here are a bit younger but certainly loads of areas I've been to where the the machinery's in taking the trees out and it looks like a, a sort of nuclear bomb site once they've gone just the hillside devastated I don't know whether there's a good environmental argument for letting the wood rot down and letting the place regenerate itself as long as they don't bring in even more sheep it'd be great to see some natural woodland regenerating in these hills and certainly the Forestry Commission seem to be more committed these days to planting more sensitively when they try to think of commercial timber plantations there's more evidence of native trees and a mixture of species planted in respect to you know encouraging wildlife and bird life and things so I'm going to stop the recording now because it's too windy it's uh, windy enough to keep blowing my wee baseball cap off so I'm going to and uh, Skid has disappeared so I better go and find the dog get down to a lower level or maybe come back on the microphone now well we've dropped uh, quite a few hundred feet off the top of that hill and things are a uh, a little bit of camera down here, he says as the wind gets up. But uh, great views up there for a, a little walk. I'm guessing it's going to be about 7,000 steps round trip. I used to measure things in miles, it's a sign of the times. Maybe three and a half miles or so. And off to the side of the track, I've been noticed on this very, very high quality uh, forest track. And off to the sides, periodically, I see these. I say the mini, sort of mini Grand Canyon, but sort of uh, indentations in the the ground, rock faces, and like the ground has sunk. Some of them are quite sheltered, and you can sit in there and have a wee seat. Some of the rock outcrops. But I've sort of realised over the last few days, I've been up here just what the what's going on, and they're almost like uh, they're mini quarries. They've been contractors 20 years ago, 30 years ago whenever they put the track in have just uh, blasted some rock where they can off the track to put down the hardcore. I mean this road would take heavy machinery quite easily. It's in very, very good condition and I can see wherever there's a seam of rock crossing the track and they've needed some hardcore, they've just uh, taken it immediately from the side of the track which I suppose saves an awful lot of time and expense uh, shipping in rock that you don't need so just walking down a little bit that was a a great uh, say a great views up there and it's a good start to a Sunday morning it's uh, just the back of nine o'clock and we're ready on our way back so we're trying to make carve out a summer really first week in September and we've got a couple of really nice sunny days the cold front coming in and uh, Quite cold, I think top temperatures today are only going to be 
around about 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Can't remember what that is in centigrade, but certainly not Mediterranean weather for us. So yeah, I'm seeing more and more of these little mini quarries and more I look. But uh, they give the place a few contours, but a bit, bit of something to look at. And we're listening to various birds up there. And I think there might be Capercaillie in these woods. Capercaillie often, I think, move off. They're migrant birds, so they're probably nesting in the early part of the summertime or late spring. But some of them are resident, and they're very, very few and far between. And this is the sort of woodland conifer plantation that they would use. Each breeding pair needs uh, quite a huge acreage. And uh, I don't think it would be too disturbed up here. I've got some audio. The reason I, I think there's Capercaillie is I, I used to walk in uh, a woodland up in the north of Scotland where I lived many, many years ago. And I often went in there to see this uh, Capercaillie or Capercaillies. And I sort of got used to the sound of them. So I was trying to record what I thought in the distance was a Capercaillie just uh, three or four days ago. And I'd forgotten I had the lapel mic on, which is what you're listening to just now. So when I get back, there was virtually no sound there. I couldn't amplify it on the computer. If I'd used the condenser microphones on the recorder, I would have got uh, a sound even more sensitive than my ears. Whereas with a lapel microphone, it drops all that, what the microphone would sense as background sound. It doesn't pick any of that up. So there was no bird, never mind a cap or on the recorder. <laughs> so we're walking down the track, sunny day. Amazing what the sunshine does to you. Vitamin D, but really lifts your spirit. And Skid loves these walks. He's always 30, 40 yards ahead. Uh, lifting his leg for no good reason. Uh, yeah, the wood pigeons. And we'll go back and we'll get the we'll get the podcast out today. That wind is definitely picking up. I think that was the forecast. Quite a stiff breeze. It's one of the reasons I wanted out early. But you do get a big difference between the the sense of the weather when you're on the protected side of the hill, but once you get on the top, it can be very, very different. So yeah, this conifer plantation down this end of the the walk nearer the car. These trees aren't far off maturity, they're maybe 40 feet tall or something, maybe more than that, 50. And that'll change the landscape when they come down, it's, uh, it's funny. Right. Now this is the microphones on the recorder which are much more sensitive and that let you hear the sounds in the background that you don't get on the lapel mic.
can see one of these little birds at the moment, yellow chest with the siskins on. I'll maybe switch off the recording, see if I can put the camera on it. Get a picture before it flies off. Now another thing about when you're walking in Scotland, you should also have a day pack with you. Nothing better than having, like, you know, like supplies, both from a safety point of view, but just to have a little picnic, a drink and a snack. So, of course, I'm always prepared. I've got uh, my stick, and that's me. Plenty of audio equipment and cables, but no food, no drink. Left my backpack in the in the van. And uh, I've got too many layers on now. I knew it was going to be windy on the top of this hill, but I've got... Uh, t-shirt and fleece on and a jacket on on top of that and the problem is when you come off the top as we're walking down now the sun's shining and uh, it's creating a situation where I've got too many layers and it's more hassle to carry the coat than to wear it so I'll just uh, persevere 10 minutes from the car and we'll be finished for the day So yeah, it was a great, great, great walk this morning and um, it's a good, good time of year and still plenty of daylight to enjoy before we get into the, the depths of winter. So it's been, uh, say, a good week. Earlier in the week I was out on, I think it was on Wednesday, I was over in Loch Lomondside. But just before I forget, let's uh, just a quick shout out to all of you for who've signed up to the PassingPlaces.Scot Insider Club website. Still some weeks away before we really get underway, but I was looking, if you remember, for people to come in as beta testers and I would give them sort of a free founder members uh, pass. So if you're interested in joining the, the club for free and you want to get in early, just uh, sign up for the newsletter at uh, passingplaces.scot or even on the bonnytours.com site. The site will carry all sorts of additional audio and video information and guides and advice about travelling around Scotland over and above the normal weekly free podcast. So if you've just been listening to the free podcast, that's fine. It'll continue as before. This is all additional material. So if you're interested, have a look at passingplaces.scot. And also I was mentioning the SpeakPipe uh, service, which is a voicemail you can send to me. It's currently on bonnytours.com and I've got a voicemail here from Ian Gillespie. Let's have a, a listen. Hi Kevin, this is Ian here. Thought I'd use your speak pipe facility. Uh, just wanted to say, it's great to hear your podcast again. And that last one on Fife was uh, excellent. Really, really interesting. So keep it up and keep them just as frequent. Okay, cheers. So thanks Ian for the voicemail. I know you've got a camper van and that you do uh, travel around Scotland as well on a regular basis, so really need to get you on to passing places for a chat. I'll organise that in the coming weeks. And there's a number of other uh, people out there who listen, and I know we've had conversations about you coming on the podcast, so I'll get in touch with you as well, and through the autumn and winter we'll get a series of interviews with listeners on any topic that you as a listener would like to bring to the attention of other people, so... We'll get that all sorted and if you're out there listening just now and you would like to come on a future episode uh, please get in touch you can find me all over social media at bonnie tours on twitter 
feedback at bonnytours.com is an email, amongst others, so there's plenty of ways to get in touch or use the SpeakPipe, the voicemail service. You'll find that on bonnytours.com. And also, if you've just got any ideas for future content, uh, please get in touch as well. And those iTunes reviews, that would be a big, big help. Uh, if you could do one thing for me is maybe leave me a an iTunes review. really does help the podcast get discovered by other people and helps the downloads. So enough of the rambling on about things I'd like you to do. And let's get back into last Wednesday, I was heading over to Loch Lomondside. And uh, rather than explain what I was doing over there, let's dive into another sequence of short audio clips. And that will cover the the events of last Wednesday. Will you join me today on the banks of Loch Lomond? I'm in the small village of Balmaha on the east side of Loch Lomond. And I came over today with a specific purpose of taking a little boat ferry over to Inchkailoch, which is a lovely island just off the shore from Balmaha. It's only a five, ten minutes in the boat. But as I came over, the weather has been pretty poor. Low cloud, drizzly rain, and I've decided to leave Inchkailoch for a, a nice sunny day. It's years since I've been there and I really want to enjoy the chance to stay over there for a number of hours and sit on the benches and sit on rocks on the shore and wander through the oak woodland and look at the views and things. So I've decided to just put Inchkailoch on hold for another week or two until I get a good day. But one of the other reasons I wanted to come over to Balmaha was the statue in memory of Tom Weir has been finished. Last couple of years I've spent oh, umpteen uh, visits on the east side of Loch Lomond and I've been through Balmaha multiple times but this year without being out in the van very often I haven't really been in Balmaha and in December, just at the end of 2014, the statue in memory of Tom Weir I think I've mentioned Tom Weir in some detail on a previous episode. The statue's finally been erected in Balmaha, just on the shore next to Loch. And there's almost a, a landscaped area with benches and picnic benches, and it's not yet finished. I think they're putting in storyboards and things, but it's a really fantastic statue as a memorial to Tom Weir. I mean, briefly, if you don't remember what I said about Tom Weir or you don't know his name, he was a local Glaswegian lad in Springburn who, like many working class people, would just lift their head and see the Campsie Hills and the Uncle Patrick Hills and he knew that in his time off at weekends that he'd love to get out there and explore. So, like many working class people before him, whether through using the paddle steamers down the Clyde or the public transport in terms of the trains, but more often than not it was bicycles and walking and hitching lifts. These guys and women found themselves out in the rural parts of Scotland and Glasgow's blessed with being less than 20 miles away from Balmaha and Tom Weir went out and became like many others he became the the people who popularised walking and climbing and in his case he went on to become a writer and finally a broadcaster he had a regular TV show on Scottish television called Weir's Way and his combination of recognising the beauty of Scotland, but it's the tapestry of its people and its industries and its ecology and all these things, he really made a big impression on people when he described Scotland in his programmes. And he was such a down-to-earth sort of guy. I think he would be 
shocked at the idea that they've erected a statue in his memory. He died in 2006 and I think he would probably... He's such an unassuming guy, he probably wouldn't have approved in some ways, but given that Balmaha is now attracting you know, 50, 100,000 visitors a year, if his message about Scotland and its landscapes and its people gets across to a few more people through them reading the billboards or the visiting his statue and finding out more about him, then he would probably ultimately approve. So he was some guy, and I know he liked in Skyloch. And in many ways, the podcast, it doesn't follow in his footsteps, but he had this knack to just wander around Scotland and where he did really well was he brought it to life by interviewing local people often at their place of work or in their jobs and he came across as being genuinely interested which is you know if you look at the people who we normally put statues up to they often were inflicted in life with a, an overzealous uh, sense of their own self-importance whereas this chap was just really down to earth and different type of guy altogether so Skid doesn't approve, he's sitting here whining and whinging or whatever, so I just wanted, as I say, to come over and see this statue and it's taken a lot of time and effort, a lot of effort from people to raise the funds involved, both for the statue itself but for all the landscaping that's going on here. I think you're up at uh, over £100,000 in total and they're still fundraising to meet the cost. So if you're ever in Balmaha, if you're on Loch Lomond side, come over to this side and stop by and have a little look at the statue of uh, Tom Weir. It's funny, standing next to me is a very small, short guy in real life and they must have made the statue life-size, but it's worked really well. He's just standing there with his rucksack and uh, he's got his hands spread out on the, the dry stone dike that they've built immediately behind the statue and it looks it looks really, really good. Done a great, great job. So that's uh, Tom Weir. The other thing I was thinking on about Inchkylock, I was looking on the Balmaha Boatyard website and it's never really crossed my mind before, but the boats that they use to do the mail service on the islands and to take people over to Inchkylock, they've got three boats there and they were all timber-hulled vessels that were built many, many years ago. And one of them's called the Lady Jean and it was actually built in St Morin's in 19... 36 according to the website so if you remember last week in the podcast we were over in Anstruther and all those little fishing villages St Monans, Anstruther, Pitt and Ween Crail were all great fishing villages but St Monans stood out as the place where many of the Fife fishing boats were built and there's a very very famous uh, shipyard there called Millers it was around for over 200 years and they built the to say the fishing boats for the Fife fleet, but they diversified into building yachts in the, I suppose, the turn of the century or certainly into the 20th century. And by the time the 1980s came around, the, the yard shut down, and uh, at that time, boat yards, uh, manufacturing, engineering, all these were dirty words in terms of the politics of the day, so we lost all our manufacturing and most of our boat boat building or ship building but at St Monans they also built cruisers and one of the ships they built was for Balmaha Boatyard it was built brand new and transported I haven't found out how but it was brought over to Loch Lomond 
and next year it'll be 80 years old. 80 years it's been sailing up and down Loch Lomond, either delivering passengers or mail to the islands. And it's a beautiful timber, timber-hulled boat. So I'll maybe get to see that the day I go to Inchkyla. But I'll sign out for now. There's a, a dog and a whole party of people coming. Well, Skid and I are back in the car. That was a bit funny. We were suddenly descended upon by a whole coachload of tourists. And from me being sitting in my own little world chatting to you about St Moran's and uh, wooden boats and I'd sort of tuned out the dog whining. Suddenly I was I was looked up and there was a 30, 40 people milling around us and they were all having a look at the statue and chatting and making a lot of noise and I just, uh, we had to escape. So we're back in the car and I decided uh, that one of the things we'll do now, I said we'd ruled out going to Inchkailoch, is we'll, one of Tom Weir's favourite uh, pastimes when he was older, he lived in Gartaharn, which is a, village 15 minutes from here. He enjoyed climbing a little hill just outside Gartaharn called Duncrain. Now Duncrain, they call it locally the Dumpling, but it's an amazing little hill, uh, been up there often, and I think we should just go and climb the Dumpling. And I'll tell you all about the Dumpling when I get up there, and 15 minutes to get there and 15 minutes to the top, so... That's what we're going to do now. It'll give, in fairness to Skid, it'll give him the the walk or the WLK that he's after. So we'll go off and do that and we'll leave Balmaha and Shkylock to another day. Just a final thought before I do finish there is the the, the boat trip over to Shkylock. You've also got the option, I think it's something like £5 return to go over to the island, but you can also, once a day, the boat... The mailboat goes round three or four of the islands and you can pay, I think it's £10 return and go with the posty and stop off at, certainly at Inchmurn is one of the, the only island that has a has a hotel and accommodation but you you get to stay on Inchmurn for at least an hour so you can have lunch at the hotel there. So that'd be quite a nice uh, afternoon or day out, I think it goes in lunchtime, afternoon time. It's about £10 return, so there's another option for you, to take the mail boat. But we're, we're about to leave Balmaha and head over to climb the dumpling. The weather's picking up a little bit, not quite so uh, cloudy as it was. Well, we're on our way over to uh, climb the dumpling and I've just stopped off at the Church and Churchyard, just outside Gartaharn. I can't remember the name of it, but I just remembered as I was passing that this is where I think Tom Weir is buried. So I thought I'd uh, stop in briefly and pay my respects. Uh, I'm going to leave, just given the setting, and leave the dog in the car, and just leave the microphones here, and I'll be back in a few minutes, and hopefully his graveside will be a bit quieter than his statue. I'm back in the car, I've found Tom Weir's grave eventually, I couldn't uh, locate it but there was a couple of older men who arrived in black suits and black ties with a microphone and they were going in to set up the church for a memorial service and one of them very kindly took me to the graveside and Tom Weir's buried alongside his sister Molly who was quite famous in Scotland too in terms of TV and acting and uh, 
she was quite a character. I don't know as much about Molly Weir as I do about Tom. But the grave was a perfectly normal grave, as you would find in any graveyard, with the dates of his sister's death and his death. I think she died in 2004. And a rose bush, which is looks like it could do with a bit of pruning. But a very, very quiet place in comparison to the tourists that all turned up down at uh, Balmaha. So, our final tribute to uh, Tom Weir. We'll go and climb the dumpling skid. Let's get off. And as I say, I didn't have the I didn't have the heart to tell him about the statue skid. Well, we just arrived at the the lay-by or the car park for the the dumpling, and there's not a car here, so we've hopefully got the hill to ourselves for today. Weather's improving. There's some blue sky appearing, a bit of sunshine, a bit of warmth. And Skid's desperate to get off for his walk. Come on, come. So we'll give you, we'll give you some commentary from the top, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Well, we've just arrived on the top of the dumpling, and if you remember some of my earlier episodes, I used to start the introduction with the statement and with some hill walking thrown in for good measure. So this one's uh, especially for Katie, my sister, who was uh, teasing me the other day about the hill walking for good measure. So the Duncrine or the Dumpling is only a 15 minute walk. So it's a walk and it's a hill. And if you're talking about return on investment, ROI as they used to call it in the financial markets, but the return on your investment for that 15 minute walk is, I doubt it's paralleled anywhere in Scotland. Standing here, the weather's improved. As I say, the clouds are rolling back and there's some sunshine. And looking out to the, I suppose, the south and east, I'm looking at the Campsie Fells, where I've been walking skid in the recent days, and off to the, further off to the, the east from the Campsies, there's the Gargunnock Hills. You're looking all the way over to Stirling. As we come round south, and come round the real view opens up an absolutely panoramic view of the south end of Loch Lomond with all the islands I'm <laughs> ironically I'm looking at in Skyloch, totally clad in oak woodland and there's Inchmurn, Inchfad can't quite remember the names of some of the other ones but all these southern islands are covered in trees and we'll get into that story another day but the view is spectacular, I can see Obviously Ben Lomond is now fully out, it looks like a, an old volcano, take a couple of photographs and I can see on up through Loch Lomond to the peaks up towards Green Larach and off to the left I can see the cobbler over at Arica. It's a absolutely fantastic view, 15 minute walk, not enough for skid, I suppose you'll get 15 well 10 minutes back. Uh, just a superb view, and we've got it to ourselves. Not so here. Nice sunny day, first week of September. No midges, nice little breeze. And this is where I think where's the backpack, the, the drinks, the pork pies, or whatever. Don't have any food or anything with me. But I'm going to stand up here for a little bit, take in the view, and take some photographs. I'm going to do a panoramic video of the Loch Lomond view just to 
show you on the Facebook group or show you on the the passingplacesbonnytours.com or passingplaces.scot show you what this view looks like as I say for a ten, I mean 10 minutes probably for a whole walker 15 minutes call it to the top so anybody of any ability and they've they've improved the path in the last year it's usually quite a quagmire so we've had the summer to dry it out right enough they've put in a couple of gates and if you go onto YouTube and navigate to my channel Kevin Scullion look for the Loch Lomond video there's a video it's far too long but it's a series of still photographs that are animated to some extent to a run rig tune run rig's a Scottish uh, pop folk band it's about five or six minutes long and they're singing Loch Lomond but every single shot in that video is taken from exactly the position I'm standing in just now and it's quite hard to believe that you can see so much from one vantage point but this is the hill that Tom Weir used to climb almost every day in life when he was retired he'd leave his house in Gartaharn and come up here for a, a daily walk and uh, the thing that beats me is why there isn't or wasn't a huge fort or castle built on this things like a little volcanic plug but it's got a huge strategic advantage for miles and miles around in every direction you can see so maybe there's uh, a couple of scouts up here various points in time and they rode off on horseback to tell people the English were coming or something or the Highlander were coming anyway Skid's uh, impatient again because we've stopped and I'm gradually getting my breath back so can't recommend uh, the Dumpling or Dumcrine Hill highly enough go on to Google Maps and type in Dumcrine Dumcrine D-U-N C-R-Y-N-E Dumcrine I think it's called but uh, cracking spot I was quite enjoying all these little half hour jaunts and we've just stopped off at Flanders Moss on the way back home because it's, it's on our way really and as the day's improved don't really want to go back too early so I'm also short on steps I was rabbiting on last week in the podcast about the weekly steps being four and a half or five thousand or something and I thought afterwards that didn't really make sense what I was trying to say was my daily steps total I target whatever is was 5,000 last week and I put it up each week so this week the daily target is 5,500 so it wasn't a 5,500 for the week or I would need people to carry me around it was 5,500 for the day so I'm managing that quite well but that little jaunt to Balmahan then up to Dunkrine left me quite a bit short I'd only I don't know, two thirds of my total for the day so a quick uh, lap of Flanders Moss will get us to the daily total of five and a half thousand or thereabouts and Skid still has his evening, late evening walk which is also another seven hundred thousand anyway even if it's only out the door for ten minutes so we'll be sorted after this little jaunt round Flanders Moss and shock horror when I arrived there was three cars in the car park so that's really unusual there's a jogger running around doing laps she must have heard my podcast describing it as a as an athletics track and there's a couple other people just having a, a wonder so I'm going to get off now because the 
bit of breeze in the microphones and the podcast to be going out on Friday. But I'll speak to you soon. So that turned out to be another great day out and about. I'm really enjoying getting out every day and September's a great month in Scotland. It's a, a time where historically, well I suppose now even the harvests are all almost collected in and people would have been out there making jams and preparing for the winter. But if you're out and about in Scotland, probably farmers markets or, or other events to celebrate Scottish food and drink are probably at their height around late August, September time because there's such a wide variety of fresh produce. And I know the 1st of September is the start of some of the shooting season. So if you're out there fine dining, you'll begin to see duck and grouse and partridge on the on the game menu for various restaurants. So it's quite a good time of year. And probably when we get into October, November, obviously the place shuts down in terms of tourism and the dark, early dark nights start. So September's the I'm hoping really is going to be some sort of Indian summer that we get some really nice weather. I've got another bit of audio here from Thursday, I think it was. I was over in uh, above Drimmon on the West Highland Way and another cracking day and lovely walk and just a little bit of audio to give you a little bit of information about the West Highland Way if you're thinking about a long distance footpath. And in an up and coming episode, I'm hoping to do a whole episode on the Rob Roy Way, which you can start at Drimmon as well, so that's another story. But let's take you over to the West Highland Way briefly, just for a few minutes. Well, you join Skid and I out on the West Highland Way. We're in the woodlands above Drimmon, mainly conifer woodland. I think it's called Garaband. Garaband? Garaband. Anyway, I'm not sure of the name. You'll need to check that on the maps. We're just out doing our steps and enjoying the sunshine. But if you're thinking of a day trip, this section of the West Highland Way is very good. You could park up in Drimmon and the highlight of your day would be walking up onto the summit of Connick Hill and getting some fantastic views of Ben Lomond and also the whole of Loch Lomond side and down into the central belt and over to the Arica Alps and so it goes on. It's a lovely view from the top of Connick Hill on a nice day. If you're walking the West Highland Way in its entirety, this would be the section at the end of a very long first day, 25 miles to Balmaha. So you'd probably be too tired to be seen much. And if you're maybe a little bit more sensible, this would be your uh, first part of your second day. You might have stayed in the Drummond area and you'd be heading over to Balmaha and then on up to River Denon. So it's uh, mainly a forest track section. And once you come through the woodland and the woods, which is mainly conifer plantation with some self-seeded uh, rounds and birches and things on the periphery. But once you're through the woodland, and some of it's already been uh, felled, so it's a bit more open moorland. You come out in the moorland and then you, you'll see Connick Hill in front of you and off to your left you'll see Loch Lomond. And you can walk up onto Connick Hill. And the West Highland Way just skirts around the edge of the summit, but it's a two-minute, five-minute detour onto the top. Uh, well worth it on a good day. So we're having a great afternoon, midge-free. We haven't really bumped into anybody. The West Highland Way is usually 
reasonable amount of traffic, maybe it's the wrong time of day, they're all passed through and the people doing the full day to Balma haven't arrived here yet, so it's late afternoon, just enjoying the sunshine, we stopped here by a little stream, giving Skid a drink, and uh, again if you're out for the day, uh, one of the options I'd suggest is what we've done, you come into Drummond, and if you're coming in from the Stirling end, you'll come to a little car park on your left before you arrive in the village centre. Or if you're coming from the sort of Glasgow end, come through the village centre, the road bears right from the square, and head along the road as if you're leaving the village. And you'll see the car park on your right. But park up there, walk into the village. It's square. It's called a square, but it's more of a triangle. And there's a little bar there. It's a bit like the name of the woodland. Is it the Clacken or the Cladden? I think it's the Clacken little bar, and you'll see a road heading out of Drummond adjacent to the bar. Quite a nice little pub in there too, but the road is heading north. Walk up that road uh, out of Drummond beyond the school and on up single track road, and it's maybe a mile, mile and a half. You'll come to whatever these woods are called. What do I call them? Gara, Garaban Woods. Ignore the first sign and the road sort of bends to the right. Walk on for another quarter mile, half mile and you see a, in on your left a car park. And as soon as you arrive in that car park you're back on the West Highland Way and you're now going to be heading west. So you've gone north more or less and then you're taking west to head towards Loch Lomond. That cuts off about a mile, maybe two miles of the West Highland Way which when it leaves Drummond it heads east and then north and then west, so it goes round in a loop from the east side of Drummond. So if you're not, you know, committed or need to do the West Highland Way, you want to just enjoy a shorter distance, eight miles to do the West Highland Way from memory, and maybe five or six if you start in Drummond Village and follow that route. Dig out the maps and you'll be able to check. And in that way you can either drop a car off first thing in the morning, if you've got two cars, leave one in Balmaha, Drop one off in Balmaha and come back and that will get you transport at the end of the day. Or uh, synchronise your walk with the local bus service. There's a regular bus service between Balmaha and Drummond. And it will pick you up right where you finish the walk at the Oak Tree Inn. And the Oak Tree Inn, I would recommend it. You've heard me talk about it before probably. Going to the Oak Tree Inn in Balmaha for something to eat or even a refreshments, a drink or whatever. So there's uh, a few options. You could even if you were... Uh, one time I did it with two parties. We'd like one party started at Balmaha and I started at the Drimmon end and we, uh, I collected their car keys on the way over. We met halfway and I brought their car back so to Drimmon. So various ways you could do it. And if you get a day as nice as today, after all the, the morning we've going on about the weather on the podcast. It's actually a lovely day out at uh, on the West Highland Way. First week in September before we got it, right enough. And uh, I've got Skid on the lead for no good reason. He's better off the lead. I just let him go. He missed a, a young deer earlier on. Deer ran right across my path and Skid didn't even see it. Off you go. So we're off walking again. And uh, there's lots of little streams here coming off the hillside. 
This is lovely here. This is the best way to get your steps, by the way. You don't want to be standing on a treadmill in a gym full of sweaty bodies, unless you have to. See some of the, uh, the, the silver birch trees just begin to turn. You can probably hear a pine tree warbler singing. Don't look that one up because I just made that name up. I have no idea what, what that bird is. But it's uh, not my strong point, identifying bird song. So from tomorrow I'm looking to find some new walks and I'll need to find longer walks. I'm not sure if people recommend this 10,000 steps a day. So if you're out there and you're listening and you do 10,000 steps a day, I'd love to hear from you how you manage it. I mean, I would imagine if you commute by every day to work or you've got a job where you're on your feet, if you're a waiter or waitress or you're a postman or a post lady or whatever, if you're out there doing various jobs that involve being on your feet for most of the day or you've got a regular commute, maybe you translate your cyclings into steps. But I think 10,000 steps must be quite difficult for a lot of people. I'm finding going up to five and a half, six thousand steps a day that it's uh, really enjoyable, it's a good challenge, but I'm looking for lifestyle change that is sustainable all through the winter and these are these are habits I want to uh, do for a lifetime. They're not just for a short uh, period to lose weight, I want to be able to do them all the time. So I'm a little bit uh, unsure about 10,000 steps, whether I need to do that many. Certainly five or 6,000 is reasonable without being, you know, super fit, but we'll see how it goes. 6,000 steps from tomorrow and a whole range of places to try and get out and see. And Inchkailoch is still on my to-do list. It's uh, an island I'm really keen to get back to. I haven't been there for years and it's a very special place. In fact, all those islands in Loch Lomond are special, so we'll maybe get into that in due course. And there's a couple of other places that are coming to the top of my mind. One of them's down in the borders. I'll say no more than that, but I want to get down to the borders and do an episode on a particularly interesting topic and uh, I'll leave that hanging in the air so I'm going to get off this has been a, a collection of bits and pieces from across the week and we'll see what next week brings so in the meantime uh, I hope you enjoy your travels around Scotland if you're out and about and maybe one day I'll catch up with you so take care and I'll speak to you soon <laughs>